Hello and welcome to Scoppy Radio. My name is Dan Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we are joined today by a member of the Gorilla Tango Burlesque Troupe who is choosing to remain anonymous. So hello, Jane Doe. Hi. <laughs> what happened to Glitter Doe? I like Glitter Doe. Oh, Glitter Doe. Glitter Doe was Let's good. do Glitter Doe. Yeah. yeah. So, Glitter. Yes, Ms. Glitter. <laughs> if you're nasty. Ms. Glitter. If you're nasty. Specifically. Um, so, how long have you been performing burlesque? I started in 2014 with Gorilla Tango Theater. Um, it's funny because I probably made like the biggest switch in my lifestyle. Um, I was I was raised very 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 religious. Mm. Um, I really thought I was going to become a nun for a while. Whoa! Yeah, really? that's a big one. Yeah, no, no, no. I I worked at a summer camp where most of the uh, men that were working there were becoming priests and like the more I talked about vocation with them and that kind of thing I was like maybe maybe this is for me maybe this is the thing and I, I really thought about it I was like man I'm gonna go I'm gonna go be a nun yeah and um then I ended up going back to my college first semester and I hated it because I went to a horrible first college I went mm. ran away to Disney World which is you know what you do <laughs> And then I didn't do any kind of performing, like, until the very end of my time there. Disney World, Florida? Yeah. I, like, cool. I was a pirate at Pirates of the Caribbean. Wow. Yeah. I lived in Orlando for, like, 10 years. <laughs> I, like, I lucked it. out in never working at Disney. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean, I've, there are a lot of people that love it, but then there are also a lot of people that, you know, there's kind of a... It's it's a weird, it's a very culty situation where you're like, yeah. you're like, man, they're really mistreating me, but I don't care. Right. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's so fun. I'm working 9, a. 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., but I'm like loving it. Minimum wage for like, and an yeah. extra churro. <laughs> minimum wage. I get to wade through the swamp water in the bottom right. of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Oh, my God. Everybody's favorite. Um, yeah. So, uh, so how old were you when... Oh, girly. Oh, so Moody cute. just wants pets. I know. I'm fine with that. Come here. You can be up here. No? Okay. Moody, jump up. When you were like... From nunnery to anything um, else. Well, everything happened. I moved to Chicago right when I was I was twenty when I moved to Chicago. I transferred to Columbia, and um, then after I turned twenty one, I that was like af- everything before twenty one. I think was like super prude time. Like yeah. like I was a slut shamer. I was right. a person that was like I cannot imagine how these slutty women do these slutty things, and I hate them. They're gross to me. They're disgusting, and I would just judge so much based on like what I thought was going on, and like being open about your sexuality was so repulsive to me because of the way that I had visualized it mm-hmm. that I couldn't imagine that they could be good people, and it was kind of repulsive looking back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> so I'm wondering what your aha moment was. Um, I, at my first college, they kind of told me I didn't have any talent as a musical theater performer. They're like, it's not, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. It mm-hmm. was a very rough, tough school where they kind of like, like who they like and otherwise you might as well go do whatever. And I kind of dealt with it for a little bit, and that's what prompted me to move to Disney. And then I transferred anyway to Columbia to do musical theater, because I was like, you know what? 
I'm done paying all this money to go to a college and get a degree that I don't want. I'm going to go get the degree that I do want at another college. And I still had so much doubt inside of me where I was like, I'm not a good performer. Nobody wants to hire me. Absolutely nobody wants to work with me. I can't get cast in anything. I feel I felt so low and so upset that I was I was submitting probably 50 times a week to different shows and I wasn't getting any call-ins. Nobody was giving me audition slots. I was like, this is ridiculous. They were right. They were so right about me. And then I got the nicest email from the then like manager of the Gorilla Tango Burlesque side, um, Juicy Lucy. And it was so warm and exciting, but I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, why did I do this? This is so gross. And I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm going to go to the audition. I'm going to do it because you know what? It'll just be audition experience because I haven't gone to an audition in so long. I went and it was the most, we only had to take off two items of clothing and I was still absolutely terrified, but it was the most positive and nice experience that I've ever had. And I didn't get it the first time. I didn't get cast in the company. But the email that I was sent was so lovely. It was like, it was like, we don't have a spot for you in our company right now. But we wanted to let you know that you're a very talented performer. And there's definitely a spot for you in the future. We really enjoyed seeing you. And I hope that this is the last time that I see you. And I just remember being so like, happy that yeah. I felt like I finally like I was like wait a second maybe I'm not terrible <laughs> maybe I'm not the worst performer ever and I ended up going the next time and I got cast and the rest is history I did Batman first I was in Batman cool. holy <laughs> bouncing boobies Batman <laughs> and I was the penguin who I didn't know who the penguin was because I was like a little sheltered kid didn't know any like pop culture really like i knew who batman was obviously right. Right. but they like had me called back for the penguin and i was reading lines and i was like just reading them and the the person was like um do you know who the penguin is and i'm like not a clue and they're like <laughs> um i'm like mm. they're like danny devito i'm like got it cool let's do it <laughs> let's roll and action mm-hmm. oh man um so i would love to talk about burlesque the burlesque community yeah because um and and i talked about this briefly before we started but it is such an accepting community and and now that i know your background and like what it can actually do Mm -hmm. i'm even i'm even more like enamored with the community so I'm, i'm wondering if you could talk about kind of the the general vibe like vibe like the the body acceptance the sex positive environment the like progressive loving supportive. there's there's so much to say because <laughs> i have always had body image problems you know um i used to tell people when i was describing myself i'm like you know how they said in like the 1800s people are just plain i'm like i'm plain and that's what i would tell people i'm like my face is plain everything's plain And I'm like, it's not bad. It's just who I am. And then now I can look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I'm beautiful. Wow, Mm. this is great. I love me. This is fun. Um, From the instant that I started like working with these performers, I don't want to say women because there's non-binary performers too. Mm -hmm. Um, These performers, they were just like, oh my gosh, you look so good. Oh yeah, work it. Oh, you got that move so good. Oh, this is great. Oh, I love the way that you do that. It was very much like, everybody's doing great. You're going to love this show. You go and see the show with these girls in it and the performers. Um, and they are, you know, they know who you are. So they come up and they touch you and they're like, oh, you look beautiful today. And you, everything about that was just so 
affirming so that's like when you hear somebody tell you so many times that you're beautiful you're wonderful you're so great um it starts to become real and then you can tell other people that and then everybody always just feels very much in love and not in love but i mean like they're in love with each other everybody wants to snuggle everybody wants to um be around each other like the backstage experience at gorilla tango was so different than like a musical where you're just like gotta get into my quick chain gotta do this thing because we were all like let's snuggle around each other mm-hmm. but um also in other burlesque around the city because i perform as a solo artist in other capacities um uh really you go from seeing somebody who you think is like the perfect body you see somebody who's like this amazing gorgeous human being you're like there's no way you're like real there's no way that you would ever talk to me because you're definitely like in my mind still the cool kid Right. But then you hang out with them and they're so sweet and they're so like, you look beautiful too. Your makeup is so great. I really love the way you um, do this thing in the show. And it's like, it's like a leveler because you can be just as beautiful as the people that you imagine are above everybody else. You know, of course, there's audience members that like other body types better than other body types. But I'd say as a community there's so much acceptance and love for everybody that gets up on stage and gives it their all that there's no way that you could pardon me (laughs) there's no way that you can like do a show and not feel so much love yeah yeah (laughs) that's i mean and i before you came i was doing a little bit of research about um because I and I I didn't know this for sure, but because it's such an open community and because it's such like it's so sex positive, it's so supportive, mm-hmm. it's so like it's like destigmatizing uh, the you know the female experience of sexuality. Yeah, and um, I I thought to myself there must be a correlation between like sexual assault survivors. And the burlesque community, and it turns out there is. There is. There's a huge. Um, I have a really great friend who has done shows to benefit that. She started burlesque as a way of reclaiming her body after she had a very negative experience and she was assaulted and raped, and it gave her the power to tell her audience and tell herself that she was beautiful and she was worthy and she had more to offer than that point in her life. And I've had friends that had eating disorders i've had friends that have had like big life changes that have happened to them that have devastated them but they use burlesque as this tool to just make themselves feel valid again and i think that's absolutely beautiful that's i mean and especially in a society where there's so little support for sexual assault oh my gosh yes yeah it's just like people you know, to this day, in 2017, a sexual assault survivor still, like, 68% of sexual assault survivors remain silent. Yeah. Mm. Which is crazy. Same. It is crazy. And I mean, then, like, so many of them that don't remain silent are treated so poorly. Yeah. There's so many instances that you see where somebody's like, well, obviously she shouldn't have done this if she knew this. Right. And there has been situations in the burlesque community like i'm not going to say it's all sunshine and rainbows because i've noticed i'm in a lot of like groups that are nationally uh, on facebook you can see different things and there's been like call out posts for like 
usually male members of the community that have um, made some bad choices and done some nasty things and people have stood up and that's something that's really really cool to me is that people are not afraid to be like listen this guy is problematic because he did this this and this to this many people and this is why i'm saying it everybody here that we got to sign this list will not book them in shows will not do this will not do that and of course there's outliers that are like well you can't do anything until you know you prove anything or why didn't they fill out a police report but I'd say the vast majority Uh, of people are ones that are like, I will not do this. I will not work with him. I will not perform in the show if he's in the show, if he's in the audience, anything like that. That actually um, reminds me a lot of, I'm trying to remember which, who shared it, but there was a classical singer, I guess on some dating app or something like that. Speaking of just call out culture, I just think it's so powerful because, sorry, I'm like phrasing this incorrectly. (laughs) Um, the thing that I think that's amazing about call-out culture, culture is that there are so many of these topics that when you look at it, like when you look at it objectively, it's there's usually the, the case where someone is an extreme victim, like a, like a rape victim or something like that. And um, it's so easy for kind of like apologizers, I guess you could say, or sympathizers to the ass- assaulter, which is like, first off, if you're like, making an argument for that side, like, maybe don't. But, like, it's it's so easy for people to be like, she's making it up. Like, it's it's not a real thing. And, I know and that. They like, wouldn't do that. Like Right. It's I mean, the, the idea that there's the, this vi- level of villainy, if that even makes sense. I'm using air quotes. We saw that is, with Brock a, Turner. Right. The idea that that can actually yeah. exist is a myth. And so what I love about call-out culture is that, first off, it's always very solid journalism. Like, the screenshots, you can't fake these things the yeah. way they, like... Make sure that that's done. That's I'm trying to. Do you know which store, which person I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, I couldn't find the actual link. I think I hope Maureen is right now. Um, I think that a struggle that a lot of people have with that kind of thing is just that they, if they are friends with that person, they don't want to believe that their judgment is clouded in that way. Right. And that's something that I think that a lot of the people that struggle with trying to sympathize with the people mm-hmm. that are doing the bad things are really going for it. Absolutely. And I mean, I also think um, that there's real power in um, spotlighting that this really exists because you can't really... It's really hard to argue against that. And mm-hmm. and because you're already leaving the like realm of reality when you're doing some weird, like, part semantics, part, like, morality play mm-hmm. discussion with someone about... Yeah. you know, Like, it's like... No, like, it's not this, like, we're not, you're not Sophocles, you know what I mean? Like, we're not, like, having a chat about, like, what is or isn't moral. It's like, this is a, there's evidence here. There are, like, this is a thing to at least be investigated. Like, it's, you don't get to, like, sit in your armchair and, like, say that someone is or isn't a terrible person without having met them. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't find it. Anyway, so I can't remember. <laughs> if, if you can um, send us the link to this this thing that I'm thinking of, someone shared it was a dating profile um, of a of a, well, a classical. So we're both classical singers. I think oh, we okay. mentioned that. Um, and so there's a a big classical singing community, and someone shared a. I guess there was like, she's a classical singer, and the, a guy found out that she was a classical singer, and so he was messaging her on some dating app. I think Bumble or something, Tinder mm-hmm. or something. Um, and it was just like, first he was like, do you want to go out sometime? And she was like, I guess they'd gone out. They'd gone on a date and, um, 
she wasn't interested, and so she told him honestly, pretty pretty kindly, in fact. And he then did one of those like you know. I think we all have seen this at this point. Those like ten message long diatribes about the women, the female race, and how terrible they are, and mm-hmm. like, just chauvinistic and terrible, and like, like sexually explicit to some extent too. Where it was like, I, yeah, I'm not going to quote it. Um, we don't so, need to speculate about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> like it was probably something like. I keep saying probably because I'm trying yeah. to not. No, quote I mean anything. like, like oh, I, I, know, I, I could I, quote it and I don't want to. Is where I'm at. Oh, you could quote it. I could oh, quote yeah, it and I don't want don't. to. Um, so, <laughs> um, that's why I'm. I'm not like oh, let's pontificate. No, the like the the that's actually really how it laid out. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so they basically posted his photo. And have been, like, messaging companies that he's worked with. Which I think is a really different thing, too, from, like, Yeah, doxing. it's like sending a picture, uh, the, the dick pic that somebody sends you to their mom right. on Facebook. Exactly. Right, exactly. Right, like right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a large-scale version of that. Yeah. They messaged his aunt and, like, two companies that he worked with. His aunt? Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, man. But, but well, it's like... It's his face. Like, it's like you can't... Yeah. I don't, and, and not to even say... Sorry, I'm not even... I should stop talking in a minute as the man in the room. But, like, because I'm not even trying to say, like, oh, you could have gotten caught for that. You should No, you should just not be a dick. Like, you should really look at look internally at why your masculinity is so fragile that you need to hurt people. So, um, when I was younger, um, I was in... I went and saw a psychiatrist, and... Um, Part of that treatment was that they talked to myself and my parents, and they were asking me, kind of, the, the psychiatrist was just, like, asking me, like, hypothetical things, like, you know, what, you know, why, why is stealing wrong? You know, questions of morality, just so that she could assess, I guess, to assess my stage of mental development, so mm-hmm. she could kind of, like, know where to start. Um, and so the question was, why why is stealing wrong? And I said, because it's wrong. And she said, cool. So that means that you're at a, you know, at this stage of development, if you had said, because I'll get caught, you would be at a one stage of development behind where you are. If you had said, because it'll make my mom and dad angry, it'll, that would be, you know. And so the idea of like it, is developmentally proven that doing something, not doing something for the sake of, because you're afraid of getting caught, means that you are, like, developmentally stunted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is uh, heartening, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those of us who don't do bad things because it's wrong, keep keep trucking on. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I want to get back to burlesque. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm wondering, um, kind of I kind of want to check in with you just because you, um, you you not long ago you were like prone to slut shaming, you know, afraid of embracing your sexuality, and I'm wondering, like. Were there, like, when you first started burlesque, like, as a performer, like, were you still in that mindset? Oh, completely. Um, luckily, in the track that I was doing as Penguin, the, <laughs> I say to this day, um, 
if Batman and Robin hadn't taken my bra off for me, it probably wouldn't have come off the first time because I mm. was literally shaking because I was so nervous. Like, everybody was so supportive and so sweet. And they're like, it's going to be fine. Once it happens, it happens. And you feel, like, so excited. But I was terrified because as soon as, like, some of the morality clauses started to go away, the body clauses like the body like problems started to wash in so like as soon as i was like well it doesn't matter if anybody sees my boobs but what if they think about my body negatively so it was just like this teetering like i was like i can't escape right now and i was like where can i put my bra right back on so nobody has to see anything like you know it's like a second like i was like can i quickly redo it so nobody knows or like what's going on what can i do that will make it less um hate like bad for me right. and bad yeah. for other people because then i got to this point where i was like oh no they're gonna hate me they're gonna hate everything about this i'm gonna ruin their night i'm gonna ruin their night <laughs> i'm the first boobs. boobs that they're seeing and they don't like it yeah. they don't know what to do <laughs> they are so mad <laughs> the idea of someone being like hey those boobs ruin my night <laughs> i hate your boobs madam <laughs> and then i just go i'm sorry I'm so sorry. And then you're escorted off the stage. Yes. And someone, a representative from the troop is like, I'm so sorry for her boobs. We had no idea. (laughs) We didn't know. We thought it was going to be better. We're so sorry. But how dare she? How dare she? God. That's amazing though. Sorry, I like, um, the thing that was cool to me is do you feel like those two things fed into each other probably i i grew up in a situation where i was constantly being told i was too heavy for everything like my mom had me on a liquid diet throughout high school and stuff like that (sighs) and it's like sorry no it's it's totally fine (laughs) but i was so nervous about that like it just made me absolutely crazy and i lost a ton of weight when i was in orlando because i was a lifeguard at first and that was cool. But um, I was also still not where I wanted to be. I was still, like, not able to fit into those Disney princess costumes like mm. I tried so hard for. Um, the name brand ones or the ones that, oh, for the... For like, the, yeah, the no, I got right, all right. the way to the last round for Merida, but my boobs didn't fit in the dress, which is, like, really the story of my life, I mm. suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My boobs have caused a lot of problems for me. No, me too. But no, I, I flashed those. Do you have you ever seen the like generic Disney princesses in Orlando? Oh my gosh, the like the ones that are like sleeping white. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's got like red hair and like Snow White's dress, and right. then obviously like Merida's bow and arrow, and you're like, great. Like I the, love her. She's yeah. perfect. The like plan your princess party company. Oh yeah. I was behind I was in a parade on the 4th of July and I was behind a good old white Moana. I'm like, yeah! What? (laughs) She's like, I'm the wind, the sky, and the sea. And I'm like, you are so white. (laughs) Your name is probably Brittany. (laughs) Oh man, that's a whole other can of worms. (laughs) Yeah, it's rough. But yeah, Um, but I think that like a lot of like my shame with my body Mm. came a lot with being overweight, um, being what I considered unconventionally attractive and, um, also just having like this really strong moral clause against people that took off their clothes. And then I was like slowly just pushing myself into it. Cause it was like, 
going from like college in the middle of nowhere to Chicago, I was surrounded by people that had a lot more um, open minds. Like I wouldn't say that I was ever like, I was never a Republican, Mm -hmm. Um, but I was always just like, you know, a little sheltered, a little uh, kept in. And I think that when I got to Chicago, there were so many people that were like way more open than me. I was like, wait a second, I have to change my point of view. But I didn't agree with it, but I had to do it. I had to figure it out. I had to do this because I was dating this guy and he was way more open than me. We're still dating, but he was way more open-minded and I was an old fuddy-duddy and I didn't like that. I had to figure it out. So I kind of forced myself into this situation. I was fighting it the whole time. And then I think it took after that show... I was like, wait a second, this is great. Mm-hmm. Everybody liked me, and we had fun, and people cheered, and everybody was having a great time in the audience, and I'm not a bad person now. Nobody thinks I'm a bad person. Nobody's going to go, you were the slut last night. <laughs> I saw you, slut. <laughs> everybody hates you because you're slutty. <laughs> and that's, like, I don't know. Like, I, I imagine, like, even though that season of game of thrones hadn't come out yet you know the shame yeah. shame right. in my brain um well the scarlet letter right yeah i never i never see it but i'm very familiar yeah but well, yeah it's the just book the, yeah um, the idea of like everybody knows like the glitter on my skin just mm-hmm. is a marker of yeah. my horrible horrible shameful self Oof. but it was weird though when i told my parents well, when they found out my mom was really weirdly cool with it, which was mm. like what I not ex- didn't expect. She goes, well, you always had big boobs and you always looked like you're from the 30s, so it makes a lot of sense. You do look like you're from the 30s. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so I, I have a thing where I try to like, I'm very interested in like ancestry. And so whenever <laughs> I look at a person, I'm like, you, you strike me as, and I was like, I was like, she looks a little German. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. You look like you're from the fucking 30s. That's so cool. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um. So, I would love to get into what happened with Gorilla Tango. Yes. So, um, let's, I, I want to, if you could talk about, like, the troop first, and yeah. then kind of, like, into what happened. Okay. So, like I was I like, the troop is a hybrid between musical theater, well, not musical theater, the troop is a hybrid between theater and burlesque in the way that we do long form burlesque parody shows which are something that not a lot of people do anymore i think that towards the beginning it was like a more popular format but it's kind of tapered off and more people do solo stuff but it operates like a theater company in the way that there's people that get cast in the show and then you have understudies the understudies go on at least once a month and then they get replaced as needed people move people leave the company people retire that kind of thing hang up their pasties for the last time um but the original cast or the replacement for the role is guaranteed the majority of shows the month if they want them otherwise the rest of them get divvied up between whatever understudies because sometimes somebody would have like three understudies because they're like I love doing this show once a month, but I also get cast in all these other things, or I really enjoy sleep. So (laughs) sometimes I want to go do that. Um, When I first started, there was five shows. Um, There was Indiana Jones, The Temple of Boobs. Uh, 
I don't know what the Star Trek one was named, but it was really funny. And I'd never seen Star Trek, but I was like, I understand this and I love it. Because <laughs> um, I, again, I was so stunted when it came to popular culture. Like, I'd never seen Star Wars. I'd never seen Batman. I'd never seen any... I'd never seen Indiana Jones. I've never seen Star Trek. Still haven't seen Star Trek. Hadn't seen Lord of the Rings. None of that. Had no clue. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know what this is. This is weird. But I still had fun. And everybody looked like they were having a great time. The choreography was fun. And then we also had Boobs on Endor, which was like the third installment of the Harry Potter one. There was Nude Hope, which is the longest running show that they had. And Holy Bouncing Boobies Batman. Um, Nude Hope was the first show I ever saw. And I thought it was so cool because it was all very disco, very 70s. They had like the groovy village people music playing and everything was like, there was a disco ball that came down during the show. Um, and there's eight girls in every, eight girls or eight non-binary performers, whatever. It, wonderful, wonderful performers playing multiple tracks. Very rarely is there a track in the show where you'd only play one character the entire time. Like when I did Ghostbusters, I was the, a Ghostbuster, so I didn't play anything else. Mm-hmm. But um, eight performers. Um, there's always a stage manager backstage to assist with everything, and there's a person in the tech booth. And during the middle of the show, we would have a tip get where we would um, try to gather up some money from people, which feels it would feel so weird. Like the one time I had a role that had to do the tip get, I felt so gross because it was like you already paid $30 for these tickets and now I'm asking you to give me more money but this is really the money that I'm getting right yeah because like if the tickets are $30 I'm only getting paid 15 and then the tips I usually got like 7 to $20 if it was a really nice night but that was like the money that you were like I can take this home I have this thing now and this is really what I'm saving up for but it was, it was a weird thing to do the tip get. And if people didn't have cash, they just felt bad and they felt like um, kind of put off, which I'd yeah. be put off too. I had like, I saw a comment on one of the articles or something. Somebody's like, they legitimately stopped the show once to say that they needed money or they weren't going to continue it. I'm like, I corrected them. I was like, they weren't going to not continue it. They just, it's a, it's a joke. joke. <laughs> not a very funny joke, right. but it's a joke (laughs) yeah but yeah no we had like times when we hadn't gotten any tips and those were weird because you're just like well i spent all this time and all this effort and nobody's here and Mm -hmm. there's like or there's three people and they're super drunk and they have no idea how to reach into their wallets and very very weird and like how long had that company kind of been running that i believe that it started in 2012 Mm -hmm. um and through a series of people kind of getting effed over, yeah. um, people had left and it kind of like transformed a little bit. Um, I know for a fact that the original creator went and made their own group that's very successful. Um, people that were like long-standing cast members that choreographed and did stuff like that left because of pay issues. Right. Um, I know somebody that was only paid 25 cents for their choreography on a show. They were literally given a check for 25 cents and they left the company. I saw this, I saw that in the article that the the budget was never made clear. Yeah. Um, I, 
the only time I ever worked on the production side was when um, there was a big turnover. Uh, when the acting general manager of Gorilla Tango was told that she would have to either opt to get paid less and be like one third of like a pyramid of people or just leave. She chose to leave because she felt like it wasn't a good way to run the company because I honestly believe that she did an excellent job. She did things very, very well and that things were organized as well as they could have been. But then they were like, we're going to have two other positions and we're going to have everybody split up the work and get paid less. And she left and then like the people that were involved, because we still had the director that was involved with one of the shows and another one, they were told they weren't allowed to have any sort of dealings with the show anymore, even if it was like for free on their own time, like, because they would just opt to sit in on casting sessions and stuff like that because they wanted their work to still look like they had it at the beginning. And so those people weren't allowed to stay. And it was at that point they introduced the trainer position, which was kind of like a dance captain slash director. And that's when I was pulled in to be the trainer of one of the shows. And it was hard because that show was already like rough for a lot of people. And like the whole experience wasn't very positive. So it was kind of like trying to like put tape over like an already sinking ship, like little holes. I'm going to try and take care Mm of it. But And also not knowing that I was going to be the trainer. And I didn't know any of the other dances in the show except for the ones that I was in. Like, I had to learn them or try to find somebody that could teach me them so I could teach other people that needed understudies or that needed review or anything like that. And it was, like, a very quick, very sudden, um, unfair, I'd say, way to switch over things. And that was, like, for me, it was, like, the first big change. But for a lot of people that had been there a while, it was, like, their third big change. And, like, people left then. And, like, during this time, there's people just leaving, leaving, leaving. But the reason that a lot of them didn't leave was because we were all so committed to making work and working together. I owe 100% of what I learned to the other performers and the tech and the, the staff and crew. Nothing to Dan because he was never there. He lives in Florida. Like, mm-hmm. he would come to a show every once in a while, leave notes, um, and then we'd never hear from him for, like, months and months and months. So his role was that of just kind of being the letter down of things, ruining right. things, essentially. Um, there was, like, really recently, like, we got this email that was like, hey, we forgot to take the fees or something out of your checks, so your checks are going to be weird. And it was, like, just... Like, we got a few dollars shaved off, and we didn't really know about it, and that was kind of weird. But I was like, it's okay, if it only happens once, and then we got paid regularly for the next month, and then, obviously, July, they were like, just kidding. Mm-hmm. No money at all, until it happens, which I wouldn't believe that it would. Yeah, so how, um, I always love, as a, like, point of learning, and just, I think, for people generally trying to organize, um, you know like movements like this um how did it come to the point where there was a walkout like was that um just kind of that night or was it it was was it was during the day like i remember i remember i got the email saying that we weren't going to pay be paid and it wasn't going to be for a while it was like an indefinite thing and i remember getting really mad but i didn't know what to do because of course i didn't want to let anybody down like right 
like if I quit the show very recently, if I quit one of my tracks very quickly, that would put a lot of people in a lurch. Right. Like if it was only me that did it, because that's one track and I'm scheduled shows. Um, but I think it all came to head when one of the performers was like, you know, I love you guys so much, but I can't do this. I can't let somebody take advantage of us that's been taking advantage of us for a long time and allow him to just keep doing this and think that it's okay. I'm going to put in my resignation effective immediately. And then a bunch of other people managed to step up after that point when they realized that if we all stand together, it won't be as bad as us like trying to taper off. Like the one really crazy thing that I think that happened during this day and the night afterwards was that most of the emails were like, I will do this last weekend if everybody else needs me. Like, nobody was right. like, nobody's like, I won't do it. I won't even walk near there. They're like, if I need to be there, if I if you need my help, I will do it. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm repulsed and I'm disgusted and I feel very ad- taken advantage of and that kind of thing because we just cared about each other so much and we wanted to do the best that we could do. Yeah. So that kind of stunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a running theme in cases of people feeling disenfranchised and taken advantage of, is that at the core, most people believe, you know, hold true that, you know, if they're part of an organization, they respect the work that goes, the, the, the hole that will be left. Mm -hmm. And it's a really hard thing to weigh your own well-being and like what you deserve to get from the fruits of your labor versus you know versus your the impact that you would leave mm-hmm. and the pain that you would cause and the frustration and the headaches and like and so i com- like i've been in jobs before where i've been like like i'm really unhappy here but like you know, I don't know, like, if I leave, it's going to be, like, it's going to hurt the other people so yeah. much. And mm-hmm. and I think that it's so great that someone actually had the courage to, like, come up with the way yeah. to say it. Because that... I can honestly say that it would have not been me to make that, to have been the courage. Because I, I just, I was so afraid of letting other people down. Yeah. And that's the reason that I hadn't left the troupe yet, because, like... A lot of people, like, I perform a lot in the city. I perform out of state. And people are like, why are you still with them? You're kind of past this point. But it was honestly a lot of, like, these are my family, and I don't want to let my family down. Because they mean so much to me. That, like, even though the work isn't what I want it to be, and we're not getting treated fairly, as long as they're there, I'm going to be there. Yeah. Man. So I'm wondering... um, there's been a lot of media, media attention yeah. on this. And I'm wondering if you could speak to... And there's been, like, varying degrees yes. of yeah. media <laughs> attention. Yes. So I'm wondering if you could speak to kind of, you know, like, the, the things that have been wrong versus, you know, the thing... Kind of, like, demystify this. Oh, yeah. No, one of the things that I believe that was written in one of the articles was that we were all notified 14 days before that we would not be paid, which is not true. We had no clue. Mm-hmm. None, like we didn't know until the 31st of July and checks were supposed to be cut on 
August 1st. And at that point, we'd literally gotten our checks from June, like a week and a half before that. Like it took such a long time for them to get there. So it felt weird anyway. Um, the way that he kind of said that he's like, well, if everybody would have just waited it out, we could have figured it out. That's not how the letter, the email was written to us. It was like, the overhead is too high for other stuff. We're going to eventually get paid. And it wasn't even him saying it. It was our managing director that was like, I will figure out a way to get you paid. Mm. It was very much from her standpoint. Like, I will fi figure this out. Like, which made it seem like she was going to do it herself because it didn't seem like he had any plans to yeah. really figure it out because there was so much that needed to be done and there wasn't enough money being made because they decided within that month that, that was the month that they were going to kind of push together the theater money and the burlesque money and of course the theater didn't do as well as the burlesque so the burlesque money covered all of the theater money wow uh, and it was so that month <laughs> of course right is, yeah the other thing is that, like, even from a business perspective, the idea of, like, if you don't have the money to pay people, you just cancel the thing. Like, you, yeah. Like, you don't... Even if you... Like, the argument that... The post this discussion argument... Not this discussion, but that discussion argument of his, of being like, well, we were going to figure it out eventually. Like, no. If, you, if this were any other job, if this were a corporate job especially, if this were an office job, or even if this were, like, a fast food job to some extent, like, there is a precedent for like if you don't have the money to pay your labor you don't you don't do you don't thing. have labor you don't yeah. do it right no and i mean this happened so i i work in coffee and there was a coffee roaster called botrus mm -hmm. that they just didn't pay i heard about that yeah and i a bunch of um i i worked for this uh newer coffee shop called fairgrounds in wicker park and they, a lot of Botrus people came over to Fairgrounds because it was opening and they were like, we need baristas. And so it, it was just natural. And like what happened is that they were just like writing bum checks. Like they were giving people checks, but there wasn't money in, in the account to do it. So they were depositing the checks and then they were bouncing. And so. That's like, insane. Yeah. Well, and the fact that. That's shady. Oh, it was shady as fuck. It was horrible. <laughs> so um, but like the fact there was so much outrage because it was food service because it mm -hmm. was a bit because it was because it's um it's a a career it's a job like exactly they they don't value the way that we put in like I've put in more hours at Gorilla Tango Burlesque than. Some people do it their jobs. When I was um, a trainer, when I was doing three shows a weekend, I was there constantly. I would get there early. I would run my tracks. I would spend money on my makeup. Um, I would add in my own things. I would try to make things as good as I could possibly make them. Like there was a lot of time and effort when that. We would have big audiences. We would have small audiences. But there was people there and we were providing a service and to think that that's not a job because I would be spending four or five hours a night, like, working my butt off, and then to say that I don't, that, you, that I don't deserve to be paid. And I'm lucky in the fact that I have a job, like, I have a day job, but some people don't have right. that. Or they're, they're in-between jobs, like, some people just had the worst week of their life last week, and they're like, well, this job laid me off, and this happened. I don't have any way to buy groceries this week. And you're just like, What? 
Like, you can't, you can't tell somebody that they can't be paid when they've already worked for it because it's just, it's unfair. It's almost inhumane. Well, and also to be notified on the 31st of the month. Yeah. The day before rent is due. The day before rent is due. Like, that could be the difference between you eating. Like, if you earned, say, like a $75 check, that's groceries. Like Absolutely. If, if you are cutting it close as it is and you have student loan payments and you have rent, that money could be the difference between you eating for two weeks. Yeah. Like, it's repulsive to me that, like he wouldn't have let us know because at that point I think that he knew that if he would have let us know there would have been an earlier walkout because there were some girls that had been there longer that probably would have gotten mad so I think that he did use us in that way to sort of make it seem like we were uh, like oh we already knew you guys went along with it you signed this contract that says this but yeah and the thing is, had he notified you 14 days earlier, like, he would have, it wouldn't have been in breach of contract. No, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have, it would have sucked, and I'm sure that some people would have been like, um, I know that I said that I'm retiring at the end of this month, but I'd like it to be as quick as possible, and we would have had to scramble, but it wouldn't have been, like, this gigantic exodus like it was. Yeah. Like, I think that, yeah, I think that people left, would have left, and they would have been mad, and they would have said nasty things on social media about it but it wouldn't have been a mass exodus because there were still younger people newer people people who had just gotten cast that were still like believing in it and they really wanted it to work because they'd given been given this thing to really believe in um for the show that had just opened stranger thongs like (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) stranger thongs had just opened Mm -hmm. and they like the costumer hadn't even gotten paid for her work yet Mm. (sighs) And it's like they opened, I think, in June, and yeah. it's like these people had been doing it that long, and they they really wanted to believe in it. Other people who just got cast, like it's so much to just kind of think about that. I feel like if I had been one of the younger people, I wouldn't have not wanted to walk. And that's kind oh, of yeah. what we were watching out for, is that like when everybody started posting things. Like, we're like, I know that you want to stay. I know that this is something that you think is going to be great, but it's not going to be great because every time we think it's getting better, it's not. It's not Mm going to get better. He's just going to find more and more ways to cut corners and screw us over. Yeah. And not tell us things that is just going to get worse. Well, I um, would love to take that as a segue to talk a bit about some of the positive that's coming out of this because it sounds like the bit we yeah. talked about you before the recording oh, that right. there is a bit of a silver lining. Well, last this. night a bunch of uh, the former company members um, plus a few um, extra friends that we've picked up along the way that were interested in the company that didn't get a chance to ever audition or be in the shows um, we talked about um, a new burlesque company. Um, we have a few different locations that are interested in maybe making us their resident company, and the company's going to be called P.S. Burlesque. Um, amazing. Hashtag the unpopular hotties. <laughs> I came up with that, so I'm nice. very proud. That's great. And we've already got, like, a much more sustainable way of running things because right. the way that the Gorilla Tango shows run is that they were an open run. Mm. Which is really hard to keep up, and especially if you're only doing one show a week. Because mm-hmm. um, quality goes down no matter how hard people are working at things, because choreography just kind of gets lost in the telephone of time. And 
Um, this is going to be more like a standard theater run kind of shows, but we're also going to have cabarets, like more traditional burlesque. Um, like our shows will be like a four to six week run with a traditional rehearsal period and casting process, that all kinds of things. And we're going to make sure that people are paid a fair amount for their wage. Because one thing that the Gorilla Tango walkout has really started to spark in the community um, that's already been boiling for a while is the idea of fair, fair pay for burlesque acts. So that's kind of been a topic of discussion is that like, what's fair pair? Like, is getting $15 a show fair? Probably not. Is getting $100 a show fair? Yeah, but is it sustainable? No. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a thing that's been going on. But we've tried to figure out a pay scale that's going to work really well for our new burlesque company so that everybody's paid fairly and equally. We're going to have all the funds raised for the uh, actors and the costumes and the sets because we might have sets now yay um not cardboard uh, <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, we're gonna have sets um we're gonna have all the funds raised before we go into production which mm-hmm. is the way you should do things yeah. not just like hope that you can acquire the money and magically through, work through it like through ticket sales or something yeah no we're right. gonna we're gonna make sure we're gonna have cabarets first to fundraise for the company and then we are going to make shows and we're going to make different things. People are sending in scripts consistently. We have different things to look over, all different kinds of shows. Yeah, and I also really want to commend you because um, from what it sounds like is this is being done so cooperatively. Like we, there's been a lot of talk lately about um, kind of like how to structure these things and um, especially with like um, just a, as we analyze and better understand the way that capitalism has formed, like we're just kind of finding ways that things can be structured and so what's really cool is this is an awesome example of like like the workers being the people making the decisions which is so important that's like like one thing that we're really focused on um our fearless unofficial official official leader made a point to be like if this is something you're interested in these are my non-negotiable things that i want i want us to be not in our house and because good um like applicable we want to make sure that we're not breaking any rules we want to make sure that we're paying our performers and we want to make sure like there's one other thing but i can't remember what it is right now um but there she had like very set things that she's like these are not negotiable if you if you don't want to do this you can leave but you can still come and come and be in our shows you can audition you don't have to be a company member but we still love you but this is what we want this is what we do and if you can't get on board with that we're not going to be able to do it. And then we all figured out that we all wanted to do it. And we yeah. all figured out ways to um, come up with a name as quickly as possible and get things done and make a Facebook group and start planning. So that's really exciting. And it's because I think we're going to be making art from a point of like wanting to make art and wanting to be with each other rather than wanting to make money and wanting to um, kind of just cut corners like we'd been taken advantage for for so long right absolutely and well that's i think that's speaks so well to my point in that yeah um, no uh the person that's going to cut corners is the person that's not in there working you yeah, know they when, don't they have he had no connection to us he right. thought of us as inventory and exactly yeah mm-hmm. we were very much taken advantage of and he had no clue because he didn't know us and because he lives in florida ver- in florida yeah cool nice. um well, the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug. 
Okay. It was it kind of really um, blends into what we've kind of just been talking about. So anything mm-hmm. that you have upcoming, um, it can also be shout outs for other people you think are doing dope work. Okay. Um, and uh, stuff that you're, you know, kind of self care or, or books or media that you're mood consuming. media that you're. Consuming. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, of course, P.S. Burlesque. We're gonna be we're gonna be awesome. Um, if you want to catch some theater of some burlesque right now, um, I would go check out uh, Kiss Kiss Cabaret because they just mm-hmm. consistently put on really great work and they pay people fairly and they're lovely, lovely individuals. That's at Uptown Underground. Um, That's a cool space. It is a really cool space. It's so fun. I would love to work with them, but I'm a little too... I'm very nerdy and I, I struggle with more <laughs> classic stuff. That's fair. Um, have you have you heard of Plan 9? Oh, yeah. Plan 9's great. I went to their show last weekend. My uh, A friend of mine from high school... Uh, her persona with them was Alley Oops, and mm. she used to play. She wouldn't. I don't think she would dance, but she would come up with song parodies on ukulele. That's fun. They yeah. yeah I loved their show. They had a TV cabaret last week, and it was very oh, cool. fun. Um, there's also. Um, I, I also do musical theater, and there might be a wonderful production of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, coming up in September. And mm-hmm. J-Pack, uh, like a Performing Arts Center, that you might see some very sparkly ensemble member in. Nice. So nice. very fun. Good old very, Glitter Dough. Glitter Dough, bringing it home. Bringing it home. Cool. Um, well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, what we are up to, there are so many ways that you can do that. You can head over to scopymag.com. That's our site. We're going to have a few new articles up probably in a week or so, so keep an eye there. Uh, Facebook, Scopy Magazine. Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr, at Scopy Mag. That's spelled S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we've been able to do up to this point we have has been through the generosity of our donors. So first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we could use a little bit more help. So if you head to our website, scopymag.com, you can go to our about section. Uh, you can either do a one-time donation, and if you choose to do that, you will have our eternal thanks and a... Um, and you will have that immortalized in, in handwriting. We're, we'll send you a note. Um, if you choose to give on a monthly level, there are some cool things that'll happen. Um, our next monthly donor will get to choose between a bag of half-wit coffee or a month of free yoga at B Yoga Andersonville. And that can be for as little as $5 a month. Mm-hmm. So please consider doing that. Um, it really means the world to us. Um, we've actually got a, an event upcoming. Um, it'll be on August 22nd at Nightcap Coffee Bar. Um, it'll be um, Ross Korean's, uh, the, the, debu- the debut of Ross Korean's song cycle, The Passive Aggressive's Guide to Mother Goose, performed by Gretchen Adams, played by Jordan Kreiss. Um, a remounting of Marissa Abbas's um, from the Diary of Virginia Wolf. Wolf song cycle, um, staged by Rose Freeman, played by um, Jordan Kreiss, and then some cello compositions by Desiree Miller, mm-hmm. who has been performing with us this summer. So we've got stuff going on. Um, please consider giving. It really makes a big difference. So yeah. Um, so the one thing, I, the other thing I wanted to say is that we're really trying to make this co-op model work. So what that means is that we're trying to make 
all of you that donate to the show a part of the process and trying to get get as much as as you can as part of the things that we do in our artistry. And so I'm actually going to uh, add one more donor incentive, which is that if you are a current donor, um, so as in $5 or is, is fine, um, I will take photography of you for free uh, in our apartment. I have a screen that we can set up. Our, it's a studio basically in here. I have lighting and all those things I can pull out from closets. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it'll be great. Um, otherwise, if you become a donor, I'm going to set a $10 a month limit at that. Um, but... That is minimum. Like, you mean? So me, what I mean is unlimited, like whatever photography you need for a thing, I'll do it. But you need to at least be a ten dollar a month donor. Cool. Yeah. So if you need new headshots, if you need promo stuff, if um, you want Daniel to take a picture of your cat. Yep. <laughs> yes. Give it ten dollars a month, and you will have Daniel in your pocket. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, so uh, give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>